Welcome to Money Grows on Trees. Money does grow on trees. A podcast full of practical, real-life money lessons that you wish you learned in school. Lloyd is a former lawyer turned lifestyle entrepreneur. In each episode, he'll be answering the tough questions around money, investing, and entrepreneurship to help you transform your money mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Lloyd Ross. Welcome back to the show. It's Lloyd and this is Money Grows on Trees podcast. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for listening. And if you're getting value from this, don't forget, give us a shout out on your Instagram or uh, feel free to leave us a review and uh, hit the subscribe button. Uh, that'd be awesome. Thanks so much. And uh, today's episode is all about property. So it's all about, uh, you know, how to buy a property, what to look out for when you're buying a property and a few of the things that you might want to know when engaging in real estate acquisitions for investment purposes or perhaps your home. So uh, I know a lot of people in Australia, New Zealand, United States, UK, there's, you know, a lot of uh, mature markets. Everyone loves, 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 loves real estate, right? Why? I think because it's nice and non-volatile, which means it's nice and smooth. And you can't see the price fluctuating every single day on a chart. So, of course... Um, it's an easy one to hold because it's also quite expensive to, to buy and sell and quite a process. So it's got high switching costs, which means most people when they buy, they can at least hold it for a while. And, um, and it generally grows in lockstep with GDP growth and population growth um, inversely to interest rates. So it's a, it's a steady grower. Um, and people love it also because you can use leverage. You can use other people's money, which is when you borrow money from the bank, um, you can use the bank's money to then buy your property, your home, okay? And a lot of people can't wait to save up to buy a house cash. Um, their fear of missing out on growth or they need the, the perceived security of living in a place that they own. Whatever it is, drives them to borrow lots of money to buy it today. Now, it's the now economy. Give me my house today. And of course, with the drop in interest rates over the last, what, 30 years? So in 1990, Interest rates were an all-time peak, say 15%, and now they're an all-time low. So for the last 30 years, we've actually seen not necessarily a real estate boom, but a debt binge because the people have been borrowing money more and more and more and more because it's cheap. So that's why we're seeing, uh, what you'll find is when interest rates are low, asset values are high. And when interest rates are high, asset values are low. Why? Because when debt is cheap, people like to borrow money, Okay. So that's why at the moment we're seeing, uh, was it 2021, September, we're seeing a massive, massive, um, I would say, peak real estate market, definitely. Uh, who lo- how long it's going to go for, who, who knows? But um, yeah, the prices are pretty getting pretty crazy now, so it's interesting to watch. Uh, and if you're participating in that and you've owned real estate and you're doing well, that's awesome. That's great. You've, uh, you would have grabbed some great capital grow- growth and, and gains, which is great. So when it comes to property, why, do, why I decided to do this episode... Um, people say to me, oh, why come you don't like property? I, I, I don't mind it. It's okay. I just don't like paying like exorbitant prices for it. It's overvalued. So why would I buy it? Right? Same as stocks. I don't like buying expensive stocks. So I don't like buying expensive real estate. I don't like buying anything expensive, frankly, not cars or, or anything. When is the best time to buy stuff? When it's on sale, right? When there's blood in the streets, even if that blood is yours, <laughs> it's time to buy. So I was buying stocks last March when the, when the market collapsed by 30%. Um, bought one recently actually, but it was over in a uh, different country and, uh, it's because it's, yeah, it's cheap, right? So if you want to buy real estate, the first, the first lesson would be to buy when no one else wants it. That is definitely a great 
starter. Okay, there's always going to be opportunities to buy cheap. I remember it was only a few years ago in Brisbane, the unit market there was oversupplied by units, and you could pick up, you know, one betters there uh, in really good locations in Brisbane for three hundred and fifty thousand, maybe even cheaper. Uh, it was great time. Now, of course, it's grown, but that was not too long ago. So you'll find that each city will go through a different, uh, a different experience or a different, you know, market, and there'll always be opportunities to buy. I remember in two thousand and eight, um, you could have bought. Uh, USA real estate using your credit card. There were some incredible deals back then. Um, $20,000 for a house, $100,000 for a unit block. Like it was crazy. It was mental. We were helping people buy properties back then. People don't know this about me, but I was in property investment planning and property marketing and I'm a property lawyer and I was in property development. So my whole background is really property, 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 property. I was also a sales and leasing agent when I was 20. So been around the industry a very long time and understand it well enough to... Um, yeah, no more way around it. So uh, how do you buy it? Why I wanted to do this episode was because people often say to me, oh, I really want to get a property. I'm like, great, that's awesome. Which one have you chosen? I'm like, oh, I haven't got any. I haven't chosen any yet. I'm like, well, if you want to buy something, well, you, you have to learn what, what does it involve. Like if you really want to buy a house, you should know how much deposit you need. You should know how much extra you need for costs. You ought to know how much a house is. You need to know what location you know, it is in and what price it is for that location. And you probably want to do some due diligence. Well, you definitely want to do some due diligence. So you might want to get on realestate.com or whichever, uh, you know, online real estate portal you have in your country and start looking around. And once you understand what prices are doing and what things are worth, you start to get a bit of an idea of what, what you might want and what you can afford. So here's what happens. Uh, when people say to me, I want a house, I'm like, well, the first thing you need to learn and, and get an idea of is which one do you want to buy? What's your what's your what's your market cap? What's your price cap? What can you afford? What can you reasonably afford? Um, and here's the thing: when you're going to get financing from a bank, they will lend you as much as possible, um, provided you can you pass a serviceability calculation. Okay. So in 2010 in Australia, uh, the Credit Act came out, and it started to really uh, you know make sure the banks and the lenders were were lending money to the point where you where the consumer or the, the the borrower could service the loan, could actually pay the loan without going to default, right? So they're, they're very robust with that. But they'll, they'll still lend you the, the maximum you can possibly borrow when you walk into the bank. And of course, what happens is emotionally, you want to get the biggest house, the best house and you could possibly afford. And so you, you say to the bank, yeah, give me as much as money as possible. Now, the risk of that is what happens if one of the couples loses their job? What happens if both lose their job? You know, the, the, the bank will default on your mortgage within three months of non-payment. So just be aware that when you're going in to get finance for a home, that you don't want to necessarily borrow as much as humanly possible. That doesn't make any sense. That's crazy, especially while interest rates are so low, because what's going to happen? They're going to go up in due course, of course. So, you know, just make sure that you're not, you know, over leveraged, I would say. That's the most important thing. So once you've decided you want to buy a house, you have to learn, you have to figure out how much you can actually borrow from the bank based on your incomes and based on your current deposit. They're the two things you need to have. You need to have a deposit, which is your cash deposit, and you need to have enough income, steady income, provable, taxable income to show the bank to say, hey, we can borrow this and we can service it comfortably, right? A lot of people try and buy houses without a deposit. They don't have enough or they don't have enough income to service the house they want. So the first thing to do is chat to a financial or, or a mortgage broker 
and get a bit of an idea and a feel for what your budget would be based on your income and your cash deposit. Okay, so then you got a you you got a ballpark. Then you know not to go and look at one point five million dollar houses because you can't afford that. Then you know that you can you know you don't have to look at ten houses. You can go up a bit. You can maybe afford an eight hundred thousand dollar house. But it gives you the ballpark figure on what to look for. And I think too many people have got this pipe dream of owning a house, but they haven't even done that first step. So if I was going to buy a property, I would I would do that very first step. I'd figure out what I can comfortably and reasonably afford in the current market um, by chatting to um, a mortgage broker or your bank. Just go and have a chat to your bank, right? So that's the first step. Then you've got to go and find the house. Now to do that, you jump on realestate.com, you talk to agents, you phone them up, local agents, and you say, look, I'm looking for this house. And they'll put you on their books, but you've got to go around and look. You're gonna you've got to go around to the auctions, you've got to jump in the car, you've got to go around to open homes on Saturdays, check it out, right? And you've got to get an idea of what you what you like, if it's your principal place of residence, or what stacks up financially if it's an investment property. Okay. But you've got to go out there and you've got to you've got to actively go and seek out the, the place you want. Now, when you find the place you want, the objective is then you make an offer. Okay, so you you, you do what we say, go to contract which is where you can actually sign a contract then and there. Sometimes people put an expression of interest in saying, hey, I'm interested in this. Here's a $5,000 deposit. I want to look at this more closely. Okay. Now, those those expressions of interest can be $1,000, $5,000, whatever it is, they're refundable. Okay. Generally refundable. Uh, in fact, all money you put into a conditional uh, contract subject to finance is actually refundable um, under Queensland law anyway. So so that what you do is you, you, you make an offer. You go to contract. So you say, listen, we're prepared to pay this for this house. You don't want to pay full price, but you're going a little bit less. And you talk to the agent. You say, look, we're going to make an offer. You go to contract. And you make sure the contract is subject to finance approval, subject to valuation, okay? Subject to a due diligence period, right? And usually finance takes about three to four weeks to secure, okay? Because of the painful paperwork you have to go through. Now, sometimes it's a lot faster, but generally speaking, that's about the, the time it would take. So... When that happens, when you sign a contract and the 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 owner countersigns back at a certain price, then you've got a fairly good idea of what you're going to buy the place for. And then for the next two to three, four weeks, you get finance approval. Okay. Now, if you don't get finance approval, the contract then obviously becomes cancelled and you you terminate the contract under you know the the finance clause. Obviously, what happens when you go to contract is you then you know then you need to secure a lawyer and the contract the signed contract goes to the lawyer. And of course, they do all your transfer of title and due diligence, and they do the legal work to make sure that there's no caveats on the property. There's no, um, there's no, you know, anything out of the ordinary with that particular property. So the lawyers would will then enact the transfer. The property then books in a settlement date. Uh, you know, you put in your deposit. Uh, you put your deposit into the lawyer, which is generally about ten percent of the property's value, and then you put in the cost for legal costs and financing costs. Uh, a bit of a buffer there, and then the property goes and settles, right? And then you become the owner, okay? Then you owe the bank. Whatever it is you borrowed, you owe the bank, and you'll generally pay that back over 30 years, okay? You, you move into the house, and off you go. So that's kind of, that's the process by which you buy houses. I'm sure that all of you guys out there who have bought houses know the process. It's pretty pretty uh, pretty straightforward. I mean, you know, here in Australia, it's very straightforward. But um, it can be a little bit daunting for people who haven't bought a house yet. So that's roughly the idea. So what do you need? You need to engage. First and foremost, you need to go and look at properties. Then you need to engage an agent with you to, to handle the contract work. Then you need to engage a lawyer okay, to do the transfer of title. You need to engage a finance broker or your bank to organize the lending, okay, the borrowings. And then, of course, it will 
provided the 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 the, the owner of the property wants to sell it, it'll it'll transact. It'll happen. So, <clears throat> what happens when that happens is that uh, it obviously costs money in things like stamp duty. So you have to pay stamp duty when you buy a place. Okay, if it's not your first house. There are some concessions for people that buy their first home. The first homeowner's grant or you know, those free stamp duty if you haven't owned a home yet in Australia. So there's those things that can happen, which is cool. But um, what will happen is that uh, you'll pay stamp duty, you'll pay legals, you'll pay financing fees, you'll, you'll pay a deposit. So if you think about the money you need to buy a house, let's say the house is worth a million dollars. You would really want to probably have, you can get away with 10%, okay? So you can put 100000 in cash deposit, but then you're borrowing 900000 Now, that's fine. If you're borrowing 900000 at 3% interest rates, it's 27000 a year in interest, plus probably about 10000 in principal. So thirty-seven grand a year to, to or, or maybe a bit more. But that's what it costs. Now, if interest rates triple, they probably won't triple. If they doubled, then you would be, you'd be 6% on 900000 54000 in interest, plus perhaps thirty or 40000 in in principal. So you you know, you're up at 60, 70. So it's going to increase your repayments. So just make sure that you don't borrow too much on the way in. Okay. So it's always good to have a bit of a bigger deposit. I think if you can get away with 20%, awesome. If you can do that. Um, it Obviously, the greater the cash deposit you have, the easier it is to get financing because you're borrowing less money. So if you have less income, but you have more cash as a deposit, you might get finance approval through. Okay. So the higher the cash deposit and the more income you have will dictate how much you can borrow, basically. Okay. Now, the idea would be to make sure it's manageable. All right. So uh, just just be sure of that when you go in and talk to your bank that it's you know it's well within your means. Okay. Because you don't want to get caught short, have to sell your house under under you know under the pain of of, of taking a loss. So that's that's how you really buy a house. I mean, if you really wanted to go and do that, you just jump in the car and off and go. But I, I do talk to a lot of people that have this mission have this idea, oh, I really want to buy a property one day. I'm like, great, you've really got to learn how much cash deposit you need and put the cost together so you know. So go and act, action it, okay? Now, in terms of what happens with real estate, so the money's made in the waiting, not in the buying and the selling. It's really made in the waiting. Uh, of course, if you can buy at a, at, a, at a reasonably cheaper price, obviously that's, that's, that's preferred. But um, it is very hard to, 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 to determine what the market's going to do. So if you're going to buy, generally houses do better than apartments in capital growth. Um, you don't have any body corporate fees that attach to a house. And um, generally, you've got more room and so forth for families. But you really would want to hold a property for the rest of your life if you can. Like, there's transacting properties is very dear. I read a, uh, an article in the Financial Review, and in Sydney, this is a few years back now, it said that it would cost anywhere from 50, yeah, probably about 50000 to buy a house and 50000 to sell a house in Sydney. So if you're buying and selling houses quickly, that's like 100000 in costs gone. And if people people generally move house every five years, so they'll sell. Now, if you're buying and selling quite a lot, it's churning through your non-deduct, like it's churning through post-tax cash. So if you moved house five times over 25 years, that's probably you know $500,000 cash you've chewed up in transaction costs. So... I, you know, be very apprehensive to sell houses, I think. Most people I've spoken to, the greatest uh, regret when it comes to property investing is that they sold too early or that they sold at all, you know. Um, so, you know, real estate really does grow well over long, long periods of time. It's probably a 12 to 13, 14-year cycle really now. It used to be seven, but it's now, you know, with with the greater 
value of houses now, the greater price, I it will take a lot longer for them to double from here. So it's a longer property cycle, and um, you got to hold a long time, right? And that's how that's how land appreciates the length of time based on the population growth and the GDP growth of the country. Now, what will happen, I think, with interest rates as they go up, it'll cool the property market down. To what extent, I'm not sure. Depends on the rate of inflation. But will there be opportunities to buy houses a bit cheaper? Definitely. There will always be a time when houses fall uh, to an extent and people don't want to hold them. I think if the cost of debt goes up drastically with inflation, there will be people that don't really want a mortgage, uh, you know, and they'll start to, you know, if businesses start going a bit broke because of the debt levels they've got and interest rates, then there might be some unemployment too. It, it, the economic cycles go in cycles, so there will be always be an opportunity for you. So I guess don't run out in, in, in fear of missing out and have FOMO to buy a property. You know, if you're in an auction and there's like a 100 people in the auction, yeah, it's probably not a good idea. You want to buy when there's no one in an auction. So when you see a lot of for sale signs up and no one wants to buy a property, that's when you should buy a property. But when there's like record numbers of auctions and record prices and, you know, here locally there's like a penthouse itself for 16 million or some crazy number. When there's that type of stuff going on, um, yeah, it's probably not an ideal time, I think, to buy. I think you can just chill, cool your jets. Um, that's where renting can be an asset. Now, I know that rent money is dead money and all that sort of stuff, but so is interest money, by the way. So, you know, if you can rent for a bit longer to wait for the ideal opportunity, wait. I've seen people make some incredible transactions um, when properties, when no one wants it. Uh, you know, I saw that where, gee, in 2009, they're off the plan units. The developers were like getting rid of them for half price. It was just, it was crazy. So that will happen again at some point. So just, if you can wait uh, for that to happen. Now, if you can't wait, fine. There's still deals to be made. There's still bargains out there. Just look. You have to go through with a fine tooth comb and look for around for deals. Know what stuff is worth. Know what you're prepared to pay. Know what you can borrow. All these things are important. But I will say that if you buy, don't sell. Buy it and hold it, hold it, hold it. If you ever want to move, try if you can to move out of your house and rent it and get the income and pay the debt off and then utilize the equity to buy your next property, I would say. I would be reluctant to sell, really, truly. I think it's very, very dear. And I think if you buy right the first time, then you shouldn't really need to sell, you know. Um, but again, each to their own. This is just my take on it. But I wanted to do this episode because I know a lot of you want to buy a property. So I want to say to you, hey, sit down, figure out exactly how much you need, and then go out and work your tail off to go get it. Work your butt off. Rain, like seven days a week, you work. No leisure time, get after it. If you want to go and buy a property, get on the ladder. You can do it. Just go and build a massive deposit as much as you can, okay? Know how much you can borrow and go and find your property and get it, okay? Um, and then hold it, all right? If you're trying to flip houses, well, probably not a good idea, okay? I think you can get caught you can get caught out doing that. Uh, you'll see. It'll happen. It'll be in the news. So, yeah, look, that's an episode. I hope it's been of value to you. That's kind of how the process of real estate happens. Um, property investing is a little bit different. The, the only thing I would say with property investing is be careful not to cross-collateralize your home and go out and buy. Like you hear these flipping stories, like oh, this guy on YouTube now, like, hey, Guy Martin's bought 10 properties in the space of two years. I'm like, that's because Guy Martin's crazy and he got too much debt. There's you, If you want to go out and, 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 hey, and say to people, oh, I've got five properties, I've got 10 properties, be my guest, do that. But most people that say that have leveraged their properties to their eyeballs and they have 90% gearing across all five properties. Now, I've known more people to go broke doing that than make money. 
in my experience. Um, I saw it in the mining boom. I've seen a lot of it, right? So if you want to go and buy a property investment, just do it sensibly with making sure that your home's not cross-collateralized to it and you've got enough of a deposit and you're going to pay it off and just don't accumulate them too quickly. Like I think if you're going to go out and buy one, two, three, four, five, six, seven properties, five, six, I mean, you might have a, a mining income, you might have a high income, you might, great. But if you've got a lot of debt, you can also set yourself up for bankruptcy. So it's impossible to go bankrupt without debt. How about that? It's, it's not possible to go without owing someone money. So if you're wanting to avoid, see, the idea of, of wealth creation is to stay in the game. Stay in the game as long as you can without getting knocked out. And so that includes just managing your debt levels. You can get it rich slow. You don't need to get rich too fast. Just that's the trick. Manage your debt. Debt, use it for sure. It's effective when it's used correctly, but just manage it so you don't go out and buy like five or 10 properties just to keep up with the Joneses or brag to your friends, you know, just one at a time, steady, steady, steady. If that's your game, do that. Um, so there you go. All right, look, I'm gonna leave it at that. Hope that was valuable to you. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram and ask me to do an episode. I'm happy to do that for you. And of course, if you leave a review, a five-star review and a little note, I'll give you a shout-out on my stories on Instagram. Um, and thanks so much for listening. I'll see you on the next episode of Money Grows on Trees podcast. Thanks for joining us this week on the Money Grows on Trees podcast. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, Money Grows on Trees, which you can find at LloydJRoss.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a review, and feel free to reach out to Lloyd on Instagram at LloydJamesRoss.